Would you like to turn to the book of Colossians? Colossians chapter 3. We're going to be answering, trying to answer that question. Why do we sing in public worship? Why do we gather together to sing each Sunday by Sunday? I'm going to begin to do that by looking at a couple of the words of the Apostle Paul in Colossians chapter 3 and just verses 16 and 17. Colossians 3 and starting at verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's have a further word of prayer. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life that you speak through your words. And Father, now as we consider, we pray that you would teach us. Lord, you help us to think clearly on this topic of singing, and that through it all, the name of Jesus would be lifted high. And it's in his great name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Martin Luther once said, after the word of God, the noble art of music is the greatest treasure in the world. Well, that's quite the claim, and I'm not sure whether you'd agree or not, maybe whether you'd call yourself a musical person or not. But I do think each of us here in this room can all agree of the prominent place that music plays in each of our lives, doesn't it? Every day of our lives, we are surrounded by music, sometimes without even realizing it. Most of us will listen to the radio or our own music in the car. We hear it over speakers when we go to the shops. Maybe our adverts on TV have a song in the background. And every movie that we watch will have a song track, a soundtrack as we watch along. Sometimes we wake up in the morning and have a song stuck in our head as we sing it in the shower, maybe without even realizing when the last time we heard it or how we even remember the lyrics. For many, for many of us, we can remember the lyrics to songs we never set out to learn or we maybe even associate a memory or a place or an experience with a certain song, maybe dating back years and years to our childhood. Music is an incredibly important part of our society, of our culture, both here in the West and across the globe. And while that's true for our wider society at large, it's also true within the church. Every Sunday, maybe without even thinking about it, we gather together at people from many different backgrounds, many different ages, experiences, yet we all gather together and sing four, five, maybe six songs, and maybe do so without even really thinking as to why. Why do we sing at church? Is it just because music is nice, it breaks up the service a bit, allows us to stretch our legs, makes the time go by a little bit quicker? Maybe that is how you feel about it, but no, that's not the reason as to why we sing. This morning I want to give you three reasons that the Apostle Paul gives, and three reasons that the Bible as a whole gives us as to why we sing together each Sunday as the local church. This is by no means an exhaustive list. We could mention many, many more reasons, but for this morning, just three key reasons centered on who we sing to that we're going to be looking at. And so the first reason we sing, maybe the obvious one, we sing 
to praise God. And oh, there we go. We sing to praise God. This could also be reworded maybe as we sing to give thanks to God. We sing to worship God. We sing in response to who God is, in response to what God has done. We sing in response to our creator God, our triune God and King. He is the central, primary reason why we gather at all, but why we gather to sing. We sing to praise God. We see that if we look at our Colossians passage, he says, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Everything that we do as Christians, and specifically here in the area of singing, is to be done to glorify God. Give thanks to him, singing with thankfulness in our hearts. And the Bible is full of songs like these, what some have called maybe salvation songs, songs sang by the people of God in thankfulness and in praise because salvation belongs to our God. If you have your Bible with you, let's look briefly at a couple of these. Please do keep your finger in Colossians 3, as we're going to be coming back to that a couple of times as we go. But turn with me to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 15, the second book of the Bible, and the first recorded song in the Bible in Exodus chapter 15. There are references to instruments and references to music in Genesis, but we don't see the actual words of the first song that were sung until Exodus 15. Here God has miraculously delivered the people of Israel from the land of Egypt. He's split the Red Sea in two so they can walk through to safety on dry ground. And then God has made the waves come crashing down on the Egyptian pursuers behind them. And there on the bank of the Red Sea, we read, well, we'll actually read the final verse of chapter 14, verse 31 of chapter 14. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. And verse 1 of chapter 15. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord. In response to what God had done, in response to seeing his great power, not only in the ten plagues in previous chapters, but now in finally delivering Israel out of Egypt, the great exodus which the, the book is named after. In response to this, the people of Israel, they sing to God with joy in their hearts, with fear and awe at God. In response to who he is, in response to what he has done, Moses and the people sing to God. And what are they saying? Well, look at verse 1. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. Look down to verse 6. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. And verse 11. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? 
The song of the Israelites is centered both on who God is. He's glorious. He's great. He's majestic. He's holy. But also in what he's done, he has become my salvation. The songs that we sing must be thoroughly centered on who God is. That is why we sing. That is who we sing to. The one worthy of all of our praise. The one worthy of all of our lives. Singing is not just something we do or even primarily focused on the music or the rhythm of the songs we sing, but it is an act of worship. It is an act of praise centered on God. Let's look at one more example of this. Turn with me to Psalm 95, the passage that we read at the beginning of our service. And we're going to read, we can't begin to talk about songs in the Bible without looking at the hymn book of the Bible, the book of Psalms. Paul did after all say, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So Psalm 95, one of many examples you could turn to in the Psalter. Psalm 95. Starting at verse 1. Psalm 95. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let, his co- let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his for he made it and his hands formed the dry land. O come. Let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. What great words. Why do we sing? Because our God is a great God and a great king. But yet he is also our God. We're commanded to sing. We're encouraged to sing, but we're expected to sing out of the overflow of our hearts when we see who our God is and what he has done in bringing us to himself. One final passage on this reason. We've looked at the first song in the Bible, then the song book of the Bible, the Psalms. But let's turn to one of the final songs in the Bible, the book of Revelation. Many more could be mentioned in between throughout the Bible. We're going to pick up some of those a little bit later on, but turn with me to Revelation chapter 19. Instead of looking backwards to songs that have been sung by the people of God in the past, let us look forward to one that we, the people of God, will one day join in singing. Chapter 19, verse 6. The marriage supper of the Lamb, when the bride of Christ, the church, is finally brought face to face with Jesus, where we will spend an eternity with joy unspeakable. And on that day, the great multitude that no one can number will sing, verse 6, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. How can words even suffice for the glory and praise that Jesus deserves for what he has done for us? 
No mere song will ever honour Christ the way that he deserves, but it has been the pattern of the people of God throughout all of history, and it will be into all eternity to sing praise to Jesus for redeeming his people. The once crucified, now risen and exalted Jesus deserves all that we have, yet he tells us to come before him singing praise to his name. John Piper helpfully summarizes this need to sing in response to who God is, in response to what he has done by saying this. The reason we sing is because there are depths and heights and intensities and kinds of emotions that will not be satisfactorily expressed by mere prosaic forms or even poetic reasons. readings. Singing is the Christian's way of saying, God is so great and thinking will not suffice. There must be deep feeling and talking will not suffice. There must be singing. God is so great that talking will not suffice. There must be singing. We rightly honour God when we as his people gather together and declare in praise words like, Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Now change just not thy compassions they feel. Now as thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. Or when we sing, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. We gather together Sunday by Sunday to sing the word and and to sing in response to both who God is and what he has done. So the first and primary reason that we sing, we sing to praise God. Secondly, we sing to teach others. We sing to teach others. When you first heard that we're going to be looking at why we sing, I'm guessing for most of us this wasn't the first reason that jumped into your head. You probably did think of we sing to praise God, and as you sing, we would have been right. But we also sing to teach one another or to, to encourage one another. Both could be said. If you kept a, a finger in our Colossians passage, turn back to Colossians chapter 3. And look again at verse 16. That the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. One key reason for the Apostle Paul as to why we sing and who we sing to, well, it's to each other. We instinctively think as the other people gathered in this room or the people who we sing with, not who we sing to. But for Paul, when we're singing, we're singing to teach those who are sat beside you, behind you, and in front of you. As we come to church, the primary way that we're taught is by reading and preaching God's word. We've seen that over the previous week. Paul also explained this last week that when we gather to hear and to pray together, we're taught as to who God is and how we should commune with him. But similarly here, when we sing, we're teaching and reminding each other of who Jesus is. Singing is not just a a solo activity. It's not just between you and God. No, we gather together to sing to each other. Let's look at an example of that from the Old Testament. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 32. 
Deuteronomy, the fifth book of the Bible, the end of the Pentateuch, the collection of books written by Moses, who we saw his first song a little bit earlier on. But Deuteronomy chapter 32, we see another song of Moses. Deuteronomy chapter 32. Just like one of the previous songs, we're going to look at the previous verse of the chapter to see and to set the scene. Then Moses spoke the words of this song until they were finished in all the ears or in the ears of all the assembly of Israel. Moses singing about God and to God, but also singing to the people of Israel. Let's read from verse 4. The rock, his work is perfect. For all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity. Just and upright is he. They have dealt corruptly with him. They are no longer his children because they are blemished. They are a crooked and twisted generation. Do you thus repay the Lord, you foolish and senseless people? Is not he your father who created you, who made you and established you? Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father and he will show you your elders and they will tell you. Moses is reminding the people, our God is our rock. He is the one who is faithful. Do not become corrupt. Do not stray and deviate from the truth. Stick with God. Remember what he has done for you. What Moses did in singing to the people of Israel to remind them of truths that they were already familiar with. We too can do that as we sing to each other Sunday by Sunday. When we sing words like, Behold our God seated on his throne. We remind each other that despite the trials and difficulties of life, the rising and falling of nations around us, our God is still in control. He is still seated on his throne. He is still reigning and ruling. When we sing words like, Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. We remind each other of the beauty and wonder of the gospel. The sinless Son of God stepped down into his own creation to die in the place of his people. A people like you and me, stained, defiled, corrupted by sin. People in active rebellion against their God. Yet because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. Your sinful soul burdened by the weight and guilt of your sin and shame from another week. Your soul this morning is counted free. It is declared righteous before a holy God. It is Your soul is completely pardoned. Every last drop of punishment taken by your Savior. I need to be told and reminded of that every week, no, every day of my life. I need that to be impressed deeper and deeper into my heart. Each of us need to be reminded of the words, Come, behold the wondrous mystery, slain by death, the God of life, but no grave could ever restrain him. Praise the Lord, he is alive. What a foretaste of deliverance. How unwavering our hope. Christ in power resurrected, as we will be when he comes. 
we need to be reminded, friends, that this world is not our home. This mortal body, not our final destination, but because the tomb is empty. Because Christ is alive, we have such assurance, such confidence, so too we will rise to newness of life when he comes. Please, when you come to church, do not just focus on the quality of the music or how in tune the person beside you is or whatever else it might be. Sing the truth of these songs in praise to God in your heart, but sing them to each other. Pray for each other as you sing these words, that we would actually grasp the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. Pray that we would comprehend more and more the love of Christ, that we would take hold of the hope offered in the gospel. We know that each of us and many of us come times and times to church with worries and anxieties and burdens on our hearts. If you look around the room, you might know some of the struggles that others in this room are facing, but most of them, maybe none of them, or maybe none of us know. But as a body of believers, as a family in Christ, we are called to encourage one another, to build each other up. And one way each of us can do that is by constantly reminding each other of biblical truths through the songs that we sing. In our singing, there is a a vertical aspect. We're singing praise to God. There is a, a horizontal aspect. We're teaching and encouraging one another. But thirdly and finally, there's also an internal aspect. Why do we sing? It's to help us remember. To help us remember. Dr. Oliver Sacks has studied thoroughly the impact of music on the brain, and he writes this. Every culture has songs and rhymes to help children learn the alphabets, numbers, and other lists. Even as adults, we're limited in our ability to memorize series or to hold them in mind unless we use mnemonic devices or patterns. And he says the most powerful of these devices are rhyme, meter, and song. One of the most powerful ways that we can remember truth is through songs. And the Apostle Paul, well, he knew this. He says again, look at our passage in Colossians, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. One of the goals in singing, one of the reasons why we sing together each Sunday is that the word of Christ will dwell in us richly. That it would be planted deep within us. That it would take root, be instinctual, affect every aspect of our being. That it would be engraved into our minds and into our hearts as a reminder of the truth that we already know. One of the songs we looked at earlier in Deuteronomy 32, you don't have to turn back there now, but it was Moses' song to the people of Israel to remind them of the truth that God is their rock, that he's faithful. But God had given another reason to Moses earlier that we didn't read as to why he wanted Moses to teach the people this song. Because in Deuteronomy 31, verse 21, it says this, And when many evils and troubles have come upon them, This song shall confront them as a witness, 
for it will live unforgotten in the mouths of their offspring. This song that Moses taught the people to sing to each other, this song was meant to be a constant reminder, a constant witness in their memories of what God has done, of who our God is. Evils and trials, they were going to come. It was a question of when, not if. When they come, the truth of this song was going to be a witness to that. It will keep them tethered to the truth. And oh, how we need the same. We need to be rooted in biblical truth when trials, when suffering, when temptation comes. Songs themselves are, are no replacement for memorizing and reading scripture itself so please don't take this as a discouragement to memorizing the word of god itself but when songs are saturated in biblical truth and they make their way into our minds either by purposely learning trying to learn the lyrics of songs which is a good practice probably often neglected but also just from repeating songs singing them week by week then when the temptation to seek hope in the things of this world or when suffering strips things that we love from us, then lyrics can come to mind like, In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving cease, my comforter, my all in all. Here in the love of Christ I stand. One of the most well-known hymns. A verse maybe known word for word by many of us. One that we're going to sing in just a moment when we close. Yet it is filled with biblical truth to fight against temptation. To stand strong in Christ through our sufferings. And to anchor our hope in him and in him alone. Several times, many times over the last few months, I have heard the same story recounted to me by several different people. Of friends who have older parents, grandparents, friends of theirs, some in care homes, some in their own homes, but each of them deteriorating in their memory. Some with dementia or Alzheimer's or some just with old age. Yet several times in the last few months, I have heard of the joy on loved ones' faces as a, a daughter or a friend begins to sing an old hymn with their family. Minds that cannot even remember the names of their nearest and dearest, yet planted deep within them is the truth. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm, find, was, was, I'm found, was blind, but now I see. In the mystery of God, he has given us a wonderful gift in music. But not just as a beauty for us to enjoy, although it is that. But it's also a medium to aid and help us in remembering. Something to help us turn our eyes upon Jesus. To look full in his wonderful face. The things of earth do grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. When we gather to sing Sunday by Sunday, please do not just come and treating singing like the simple option to talk about its quality over the dinner table afterwards. Do not just treat it as a time to stretch your legs or to hear some nice music or whatever else might come into your head. 
No, lift your heart heavenward. No matter if it's filled with grief, with pain, or with joy, let us sing praise to our God. Would we turn our eyes around us to our brothers and sisters, our family in Christ, and would we teach and encourage them to hold fast to the Saviour? And then would we take that truth, and by God's grace, would he plant it deep within us? And then truly all of our days we can sing with the psalmist, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for singing. We thank you for music. We thank you for the gift that it is, the beauty that it is. But Lord, we thank you that you have also given it to us as a way for us to teach each other, a way for us to help us remember your truth. But Father, also for us, a way to express our love and our thanks to who you are. Lord, you are a glorious God, a wonderful God, worthy of all of our lives, all of that we can offer you. And Father, we pray that as we do sing, it would be an acceptable offering in your sight. Help us as we sing, both today and for the rest of our lives. Help us to sing in spirit and in truth. Sing with our hearts with thankfulness to who you are. In Jesus' great and wonderful name we pray. Amen.